Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Fools! The word translated as fools or foolish is recorded 189 times in the King James Version of the Bible. The New Testament word is moros, from which we get our English word moron from. And depending on the context and circumstances, the word originally had a variety of meanings. One implies a mental deficiency. But when used in the context of intelligence, Morals has the idea of being stupid. The New Testament uses of the word morals were, were used to convey a thought of someone that today we would call empty-headed or numbskull. But the Old Testament has the most to say about food. Of the 189 times recorded in the Bible, 147 appears in the Old Testament. Many of which is in the, if not most, in the book of Proverbs. And I don't mean to bore you with Hebrew and Greek words, but I think there's some things you need to know and uh, it'll come back and maybe it makes sense. There are three Hebrew words translated as fools, and two of them may be unknown to some of you, but one of them, if you've been in church a minute and heard a couple of messages, you know one of them. The first one is kesil, K-E-S-I-L, characterizes those who have a closed mind. This kind of fool rejects information and counsel or advice from anybody else. They have a willingness or determination to walk down the wrong path despite of being warned not to do so. Y'all haven't seen anybody like that? The second one is the one that is familiar to Bible students. is Nabal. We said Nabal when we look at Abigail's, David's wife, former husband. Nabal is used for those who lack spiritual perception. It has the idea of non-belief resulting in denying God's authoritative power and his sovereign right to rule. The third one is Ixvil, E-W-I-L, refers to those who are blatantly arrogant. They not only are thick-headed and stubborn, but considered to be idiots. 
If first is someone who's morally corrupt and spiritually bankrupt, this is the word that's is the focus in our main verse here. But before we get there, it's important for to know who is the author of this book in Proverbs, just as much as what he says. The Bible identifies the author as Solomon and also will let us know in 1 Kings that he is the wisest man who ever lived. He's also called, as you'll see later, the son of David, Israel's greatest king whom God called a man after his own heart. It's interesting to note that the entire book of Proverbs starts with this identification, as you'll see. And why is that? Because it adds validity to everything that follows throughout the book. Now, the word proverb is best understood as wise saying. Y'all got that? But because it's written by the son of David, Solomon, who is the wisest man in the world, these are saying which are wise by the wisest person that ever lived. So, in other words, this is more than E.F. Hutton. You need to listen and obey. Let's look at our text as we look at Proverbs 1 and we go through the first four verses. Translation that we're reading from is the New King James Version. Verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to receive the words of understanding, to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. These first four verse, verses give us the entire purpose of all of the book of Proverbs. There's four characteristics in here I want to bring out. First of all, it says to know. <laughs> that implies to, to ascertain by observation. Look at what you see. To perceive, that's distinguished between things. Oftentimes, this book is going to be looking at food versus why. The third thing is to receive, that is to grasp and to retain. And the fourth thing is to give, that's to distribute direction. Now we got that, let's look at verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counseling. To understand Proverbs and Enigma. Enigma is a sign or some type of mystery. The word of the wise and their riddle. And then in verse 7 he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. In other words, everything he said before then, to hear, to increase learning, you ain't going to get it until you, this is the beginning of it. The fear of the, uh, of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then he hits you with this. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The writer is contrasting two types of people in this passage. Those who receive God's instruction and thereby gain true knowledge. 
compared to those who reject God's instruction and therefore they don't have no wisdom or because they won't receive discipline. Why? Because they're arrogant fools. Their refusal to fear God, and look at her, said to fear the Lord, eliminate any capability and possibility for them to gain true knowledge. So we need to look at this word fear. The Hebrew word translated fear is yirah. Now I'm bringing this up because I want you to look at the why in the beginning, and there's no vowels in the Hebrew language. If you see Yahweh in this, you're correct. Because yirah has a dominant meaning to be terrified. It's more than just reverence. It's to be scared out of your wits. It carries the idea, Brother Jeff, and you said this morning, of being in awestruck when you in the presence of God and immediately you fall on your face and prostrate or worship. This fear is so powerful, it leads automatically to worship and obedience. Solomon said this is where true knowledge begins. And by knowledge he means the true awareness of life. Again, the Hebrew word that's used for food here is evict. Someone who despises wisdom, preferring to go their own way. So here's the application point. In order for us to benefit from God's instruction, we must be willing to receive it with the desire and the conviction that will lead to us obeying it. To do otherwise is to be a fool. Now I want us to look at four acts of a fool biblically. Number one, hearing God's word, but not doing God's word. Hearing God's word and not doing God's word. Now, when you hear God's word, it obligates you to obey God's word. And Jesus warns us of this fact in a parable of two builders. It's recorded in Matthew 7. He compares building a house to hearing the word of God. And Jesus tells us a man who built a house on a solid foundation in verse 25 is compared to a man who hears God's word and then do God's word. So when the storm came, the wind and the wave knew his name. Jesus called this man wise. Now, I want y'all to look with me at verse 26 of chapter 7. But everyone who hears the saying of mine and does not do them will be likened to a foolish man who built his house on sand and the rain descended. The flood came and the wind blew 
and beat on their house, and it fell, and great was the fall. Yeah, the wind and the wave knew his name, but you don't. Jesus used the word moros, which implies not only a mental deficiency, but a spiritual emptiness. It means somebody who lacks in sense, or someone who is not thinking correctly. You see, the storms of life will come. And only those who stand upon the word of God will stand. One who builds upon the sand may have insurance. But the one who builds upon the solid rock has assurance. Now, why, why did I mention that? You see, insurance company ain't in business to help you out. Insurance company is in business to make money. I don't care if you got State Farm, Allstate, uh, Geico, or Progressive, or this other one that I'm trying to think about. All you got to do is file one claim, then file another claim, and then file another claim and find out what that insurance company's going to do. You ain't in good hands. <laughs> I've, been, I've been insured with State Farm for 30 years because I have a good friend who's an agent named Henry Hopkins. And Henry told me one time, he said, if you make three claims within three years, they're going to cancel you. All of them work that way. So as you begin to build your spiritual house on sand, you may have what you call insurance, but do you have assurance? I have a song for you that I want you to think about as I begin to do this. It goes something like this. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So, number one is hearing the word of God, but not doing the word of God. You're on sinking sand. Therefore, you are fool. Number two, lack of spiritual preparation. Again, we're in the New Testament. Matthew 25 First four verses says this. The kingdom of heaven should be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were what? Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Some theologians will use this to negate the perseverance of the saint. But I want you to think of these ten virgins, since they all were virgins, and they all had lamps, that maybe they were all members of the church. 
Now y'all heard me say it, and I'm going to say it again until God take me out. Everybody in the church ain't saved. That's capital C Church. Now they say they're Christian, and MPG as well. Everybody ain't saved. So I encourage you, make your salvation sure. And all you got to do is look at Scripture and find out where you are. Now read it again. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins. Let's just say church folk. Who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five were saved. I mean five were ways. Wise. And five was unsaved. I mean foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamp. They came to church. But they didn't have no spirit. You know, Holy Spirit is, is similar to all. They didn't have none. Nabal means that they were lacking spiritual perception because of unbelief. These five virgins were unprepared for the coming of the bridegroom. They thought they had time. But the arrival of the bridegroom caught them off guard. When we look at God's returning, we all want to, as Christians, focus on the rapture. But God's going to come for us collectively in the rapture, but he come individually every day. So your coming may be sooner than you think. Let's skip down to verse 8. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil. For our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, no, lest there should not be enough for us and for you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. They didn't take enough oil because they didn't believe they needed. It was like a lot of these church folks that say, it don't take all that. Their focus was not on the bridegroom coming, but upon their entertainment. And some people come to church, they ain't really concerned about God. They want to see how the choir going to sound, how the preacher going to hoop. How the deacon going to pray. It's got to make you feel good. This is something was brought out Wednesday night. Church ain't designed to make you feel good. I'm reminded, and I think about these people in these measles shots, I'm reminded how fearful I was about taking shots all my life. My mama would remind me when she took me to the clinic going to school, this is going to help you, son. I still didn't want to get shots. I overcame my apprehension about inoculation when I developed a severe allergy and had to take, I don't forget how many, four shots a week. After a while, it got to where it didn't bother me. But why is it that we don't want to do stuff that's good for us. If church don't please our fleshly appetite, we find us another church. 
They were unprepared because they lost focus of their purpose. I got another song for you. Put a little oil in your vessel. Keep your lamp trimmed and burning. Verse 10, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with them to the wedding, and the door was shut. Now y'all can say it again, but I said this way, be ready when it comes again. You see, being unprepared lead to, well, actually, the foundation of, of being unprepared is procrastination. These people waited and then they wanted to go and get some somebody else. We cannot expect others to do what we should have done. Grandmother's religion can't save you. Verse 11 says, After the other virgin came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I said to you, I don't know you. Got another song for you. Don't let him catch you with your works undone. It goes on, friends, don't let him catch you on the ballroom floor. It's amazing to me. And we were in the word, in the world, and we were doing our thing. If we didn't feel good, we went clubbing. Just a drink or two, and that made us feel better. But oh, now that we in the church, we don't feel good, and we ain't coming to church. Don't let him catch you on the ballroom floor. Number three. I know y'all know this type of food. A know-it-all attitude. Going to Paul's writing in Romans 1. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became fruitful in their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. Verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Don't miss that. They became fools. Notice this is not talking about atheism. The scripture clearly says they knew God. The word has the idea of being aware of or perceiving. But these people, this type of fool, willfully chose not to acknowledge God's sovereignty. They became then irreverence, which gave birth to ingratitude, 
And this led to rationalization about creation and the creator. I was listening to a series last week with John MacArthur talking about the creation. And he basically said, if you mess with creation, that God created the earth the way he said it in six days, you got to mess with revelation. Everything is. Paul goes on to say, but they made images of birds and, and, and animals. This is what the evolutionists are doing now. They're trying to make sense out of something that doesn't make sense. We just have to believe what God says. But these people thought they were so smart that they came up and made their own religion and in doing so they became fools. It's another derivative of the word moros here. It's moreno. It means to make a fool out of yourself. It describes a person who Fail to recognize obvious and clear evidence. There's a song that Mighty Clouds of Joy sang. I got another one for you. You think you're doing it on your own. Some people are so smart now, they think that they, they got everything going on. The 401k and all that stuff. And they think they did it by themselves. When the Bible clearly says he gives you strength to, aim, to gain wealth. Number four. Food. Rejection of God's grace. And Solomon's father David wrote our closing thought about foods. Psalm 53, 1. The food. Has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquities. There is none who does good. We all were fools before we knew Christ. As I say. Oh, we may not have said with our mouth, there is no God. But we said it by action. By failing to respond to his call. We lived our lives as if there was no God to whom we were going to stand before one day and give an account. Isn't it strange? Well, at least it's strange to me. When we see a warning label on a bottle, that it contains some type of dangerous ingredients, a poison. We follow that instruction because we believe what's written on the Bible. Yet the Bible has written, the soul that sinned, it shall die. But we live like there's no tomorrow. The Bible has written on it, turn from your wicked way, 
But we continue to do our own thing and have no desire to change. The Bible has written on it, obey them to have rule over you. But you say, can no man like Pastor Dave tell me what to do? The Bible says Jesus is the only way, but we rather listen to a TV personality. Fools! Bible says, study to show yourself cruel. We say, man wrote the Bible. Bible say, fail not to assemble yourself, but we say, I'm tired today. Don't be a fool and die in your sin. As a prophet of God, I call you to repent and confess and receive forgiveness today. I got one more song for you. Okay, what you going through life, how many trials you come against, how many rivers you cross, you got one more river to cross. The thing I like about this song is how it says, loved ones may be waiting, but they can't help you to cross. Then it ends by saying, Jesus, he'll be waiting. And he's going to help you to cross. But you got to know him. And finally, the last song for you today, which may become a witness to you when you stand before him and judge. Come to Jesus while you have time. Gonna show you how if you stand with me now. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.